Ozzy is the world. <laughs> Hi everybody, it's Chris Gethard welcoming you to another episode of New Jersey is the World, your weekly celebration of all things New Jersey. Now this is uh, coming out on Mischief Night 2023. Well, I guess Mischief Morning, Mischief Night doesn't start until after sundown, but it's coming out on October 30th. Mischief Night, I have argued, it's a very Jersey thing. It's, there was just a great Star Ledger article about is Mischief Night dying out? And uh, that's one of the things I plan on discussing tonight over at our Patreon monthly live stream at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. We do a monthly live stream pretty much every month. I've missed a couple since we launched, um, but I'll be doing one tonight and I will not be in my home office. I'll be doing it from my kitchen so that if any local youths come and throw toilet paper at my Halloween decorations, try to egg my house, I can run outside and chase them on the live stream and try to whoop that ass. Because I think that's part of the fun of Mischief Night. Of course, I'm not actually going to physically strike a child, but I'm going to scream and yell and act like I'm mad and give them a scare. That's what I mean by whoop that ass. That's part of the fun of Mischief Night. So we'll be doing that tonight over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Speaking of Patreon, uh, you know, we got two tiers over there. We work really hard. I want to thank everybody who's been signing up. There's been an uptick in signups recently. Very cool. Welcome, everybody. Welcome all the new people. Try to give you really good bang for your buck. And one of our favorite things we do is over there at the Turnpike tier, which is the upper tier, because that one's more expensive than the Parkway, as it should be in Jersey. Uh, we do this series called Garden State Gagoots, where all the different people who host shows on the network drop in as per their availability. And we get voicemails from you, anybody out there, whether you're in Jersey or not, and we listen to them and then we talk about them. And it's always really fun. It's, I think I can speak for us collectively and say it's our favorite thing we get to do as part of this project. And sometimes we are so overwhelmed with good voicemails that we can do an episode on the Patreon and then put out more of the voicemails on the free feed. And that's what we've got for you today. I went and asked on the Patreon and on social media for people to leave voicemails at 973-780-4660 with stories of Halloween, mischief night, goosey night, creepy things they've seen and done in this state. Help us set the Halloween mood for tonight, mischief night, and tomorrow, the secondary to mischief night holiday known as Halloween. People stepped up. So very, very happy to tell you that uh, we can bring you some voicemails in the free feed this month. Thanks to everybody who leaves those voicemails. And again, there's a whole other episode. It's already up with another nine voicemails and a lot of bits. Don Finelli drops in on the Patreon one. It's really fun. So if you've ever been thinking about signing up, between the gagoots that you know is sitting there and the live stream happening tonight, this is probably the perfect day to give the Patreon a shot if you've been thinking of signing up. But we don't really... I don't, here's the thing. I like having the Patreon. I like that you guys support it. What I don't ever want to do is just make this into like an endless, uh, endless pledge drive of trying to get Patreon signups. But I do think with the live stream happening tonight and this being a normally Patreon exclusive thing, it lent itself to talking about it. But the most important thing is that mischief is upon us. Halloween is here. What a, a good night and a good month in New Jersey. Enjoy it, everybody. Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. My voice is dying, but I'm going to power through it, because it's a very special time of the month. It is, of course, Garden State Gagoots, 
and we put out word on the Patreon and a little bit on social media that we were looking for Halloween themed voicemails. And man, did everybody come through. Cool. That's why you are on the free feed on Monday, the 30th. This is coming out the morning mischief day, I guess you might call it. Mischief right. night will be tonight when you're getting this in your free feed. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of voicemails for you. And guess what? If you are a Turnpike tier member over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world, that means you've already received the back half of this. So we do things a little differently here, just with the timing of our release schedule for the Patreon. That means that uh, end of last week, you already heard the second half of this if you're on the Patreon. And now we'll give you the first half, I guess. So anyway, <laughs> it's a strange way to do it, but what can you do? We try to give everybody bang for their buck. And of course, remember, if this is coming out Monday, October 30th, if you're listening to it, I'm hosting our monthly live stream tonight. We're doing a Mischief Night live stream. Yeah, I've got my Halloween decorations set up. I'm going to sit in my kitchen, look out the window as I do the live stream. And if any local hooligans come by and throw toilet paper at my house, I'm going to try to chase them down the block and whoop that ass. Because now <laughs> that I'm a homeowner, I feel like that's part of the puzzle and part of the game. So anyway, we'll see if I go through with that. Um, but yes, I would love it if local children TP'd my house. Eggs, I would be mad at. TP, I would be thrilled. No, definitely anyway. come up with eggs then. You can't get mad at eggs. Come on. Nah, eggs would be fine, but TP is delightful. I thought I could write my name in bleach in your front yard. <laughs> you keep threatening. You keep threatening. Much Anything like an unnamed to... friend of ours. Uh, oh, no, didn't they? What was it they did? They, oh. they were friends of ours in West Orange High, uh, Andrea, who once found a strain of grass seed, I believe. That was a different color than the football field used. Was that it? And it wasn't a strain of grass. It? it was a. Um, it was some type of like extremely powerful weed killer. That's <laughs> what it was. And they went and they wrote something on the football field that also drew an extremely large. Uh, Nazca lines type pornographic image <laughs> on the football field the night before there was a, a football game. game. There was and there was nothing that could be done. You know, there's poor janitors were out there the next day with green spray paint trying to fill it in, but it wasn't. I believe this and the message said something along the lines of free Sam Spina, who was our neighbor, who was not jailed. He did not need to be freed, <laughs> if I remember. But I think his son was the police chief and had gotten in a lot of trouble. But I th it was a mix it was a very confusing mixed message that these hooligans were going for, but those those hooligans shall not be named. I have to say there's something really delightful that only I am privy to with this show, which is one of you will say like half of a sentence to get ready to start shaking their head in their, shame. Your faces. It's either shame or delight or or the best kind is when it's both. And it makes me so happy. Um, I will, of course, mention that we are recording this on a Tuesday night. So I'm currently on duty with the first aid squad in my small Morris County town. So if a series of alarm bells go off and I have to run out of here. You'll be happy to hear that, uh, Mike T, I believe you've successfully downloaded the voicemail so that the Garden State Kagoots taping can continue. And I do also want to say uh, Don Finelli might be stopping by tonight, but Don Finelli also has two children now <laughs> and lives 3,000 miles away uh, from people who can help him. And he has made it clear to me that two kids is, turns out, twice as much work as one. <laughs> so he's going to join in if he can, but much love to Don out there. We put out the call for Halloween, Mischief Night, New Jersey voicemails. Happy to tell you all that we have 18 that we'll be listening to spread out between the two episodes. 
The first one, dare I say it, might be the strangest voicemail we've ever received. And we've received a lot of strange ones going all the way back to the first legendary one, Chrissy Bumbats, who uh, called up and ranted about Jimmy Buffs. Who a lot of rumors are that that was Bonaduce pretending to be someone named Chrissy Bumbats, but I I believe you've denied that. Definitely not. You have not denied it, or it was definitely not you. It definitely was not me. Yeah, of course. If, if people remember one of the earliest voicemails we ever had was a guy saying, "Hey, this is Chrissy Bumbats. You got to get down to Jimmy Buffs," and it was the best moment of my life. And we've had some weird ones along the way, but I don't know if anything tops this. Everybody, I what? do not know. Just listen. This is Baron von Niederdorf. Hello. Garden State Gaboots. It is I, a creature of ancient evil, cursed to live forever in New Jersey for the sin of using buttons instead of hooks to fasten my garments by my people. I was recently awoken from years of slumber and am now heeding your call for sound posts regarding the deeds of past misdeeds on the night of mischief. I have many deeds that I will share with you. The first was the misplacement of a contraception that forced a woman in Leeds Point to bear her 13th child. It was I who invoked the magics that caused the Hessian to rise in Morris County. It was I who cultivated the tree that you know as the devil's tree. And now that I have awoken, I have embarked on my latest campaign of horror. This insidious campaign was to set in motion the plan that caused my home, the Dismal Swamp, to be renamed. Please note these misdeeds and have a happy Halloween. So, how are we all feeling about the revelation that there's apparently an immortal person named Baron von Diefendorf, who's the Jersey Devil's father, created the Devil's Tree, uh, was the one that made the Headless Hessian rise from the dead? I think it's actually the Devil. It's might be one of our most famous listeners. I think it's actually the Devil. <laughs> I only have blind hatred because the Baron is the person who caused my favorite place, the Dismal Swamp, to be renamed which I've ranted about quite a bit on this show before. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Um, I just want to say whoever left us that voicemail. I think what it was, was Baron. Was what was that, Andrew? Sorry. I, I was just going to say it was Baron von what, Diefendorf. I believe obviously. Baron von Diefendorf. <laughs> that is name, Gath. Cursed what do you mean? to live forever because he uses buttons instead of hooks <laughs> to fasten his clothes. So God, specific. Yeah. Nick, uh, any chance you've crossed paths with Baron von Tiefendorf in your travels? No, not at all. But I also use buttons, so. I feel like hooks are generally out of fashion. Generally out of fashion. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much to say. I, we're all stymied well, we, right out of the gate. We're all stymied. We know, we do, at least now we have solved the mystery of the birth of the Jersey devil. I think a lot of us have always wondered about that. Now we, we have firsthand evidence of what actually happened. Apparently Baron von Diefendorf, apparently the Jersey devil that took his mom's name of Leeds and, uh, very for the 1700s, a very progressive thinking that, uh, to not take each other's names. Well, and also did I hear right that he like 
meddled with the contraceptive device? Mm. Oh, maybe he's not the Jersey Devil's father. Maybe he was just poking holes in the well, condoms. Well, I think in, 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 like in a way. Like our friend who used to work at the RX place back in the day. He went to ye old, ye old RX place. Yeah. <laughs> ye old RX place where a maniac who worked there who was strangely anti-sex used to sabotage condoms. And in a way, that does make him the Jersey Devil's father, if you really think about it. I guess that is. I guess that is fair. I guess that is a fair thing to say. Hey, anyone who any anyone can poke holes in a condom and be a father, but it doesn't make him a dad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Takes a real devil to be a dad. Now, a few episodes ago, we got talking about one of the most famous ghost lights in New Jersey, the Hooker Man lights, out in the Chester Hooker Long Man. Valley area of Morris County. Uh, we also talked about the nearby. Church of the Mystic Light, which was always a sort of, you know, one of those weird Jersey sites where even if you don't see the light, you get to get creeped out by this uh, strange little church. Got a call from someone who had some firsthand experience with that church. I wanted to go ahead and play it. Hey guys, Nick from Rockaway. Uh, giving you a call. I have to stop the uh, episode about Halloween. Uh, just calling about um, the Hooker Man and the Church of Mystic Light. I uh, grew up right by there in Flanders. Um, saw the Hooker Man lights. They're crazy. Um, but uh, the Church of Mystic Light there in the 90s when I was growing up. Um, it freaked me out then. still kind of freaks me out now. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with it. Pause People were using it on the side of the uh, more abandoned. Um, a couple of years ago, I got interested about it in it and uh, looked it up online, and uh, someone was posting on YouTube uh, quote-unquote sermons from the Church of the Mystic Light um, under that, I think, username on YouTube. Uh, they're a little bit wild. Uh, he's nuts. He's uh, smoking a cigarette through all of his uh, ramblings, um, oh. and they don't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, it's pretty interesting. But it's always been there. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, um, but it's always been something that we were all freaked out about in the '90s and early aughts um, growing up there. Uh, so yeah, pretty much uh, one of our my uh, things that I'm scared of. Nick left a second voicemail that said he went and drove by, and it looks like the Church of the Mystic Light is no longer. Uh, operating is surrounded bummer. by a fence, but that the building's still there. But I do like mm -hmm. knowing the revelation that the Church of the Mystic Light had a pastor who used to smoke cigarettes while preaching. Pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. I also love that it's like a a one-two spooky punch with the Hookerman. So you can go see the Hookerman lights, wander over to the Church of the Mystic Light. Get a good bang for your 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 buck when you go out on that adventure. The Hookerman, though, I said this on the last show. Go check that out. I You've don't seen know the lights, right? I have, yeah. And like I, I won't make any claim. I don't know if it's some type of physics phenomenon or if it is the ghost of a handless railway man wandering in the afterlife. But you can see it, and it is very very strange and spooky. Cool. I do, I do like that combo of ghost story and then human involvement. One of my favorite versions of that was it used to be when you saw the devil tree, when you would come down that hill nearby in Somerset County, yes. you would come upon the maniac who left all the like anti-government Thomas Jefferson -y signs and also big reflective crosses in the woods. But that guy, we've covered him on the show prior as well. He passed away and his land is now a public park, which is, I would say the government getting the last laugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, touch but I, the devil tree. I do love that combo of here's the spooky thing, here's the human thing, get double bang for your buck for getting freaked out. 
and freaked out. Um, we got a call. Um, I really like this one. I've, I have long said that, uh, in my opinion, if I had to pick one prototypical North Jersey town, I pick Clifton. Uh, we've talked about it a bunch on the show. It's got a massive amount of high school students. It borders Patterson and then a bunch of other different suburbs of different socioeconomic uh, standings. It has a whole bunch of, you know, Route 46, Route 3, they all go right through it. Uh, but we just got a voicemail that I loved that was straight up. Here's what Halloween culture is like growing up in Clifton. Clifton also, of course, home to the gates of hell and a really big, you know, formerly Albino village back in the day. So some real weird New Jersey history there as well. Hi, Chris. Hi, New Jersey is the World podcast. My name is Jenny. I am calling, I am a Clifton, New Jersey native here. Mm. I just want to say I listened to your last episode screaming into the void. Um, absolutely loved it about Halloween, traditions, all of that. Gotta say, as a resident of Clifton, we grew up with Goosey Night. Married a man for money, never heard of it. He believed it's mischief night, doesn't believe anything I have to say. So playing your podcast on the highest possible volume on my phone just to hear another human say goosey night was everything to me. I will be subscribing to the Patreon. Um, when Dud of Trigger Training and Clifton, we had, I graduated high school in 98, so in elementary school in the early 80s. Um, in Clifton, we had one kid in elementary school, Keiko Takuda. She's some kind of tennis prodigy. You can Google her. She has done amazing things. I think she went to Stanford on a tennis scholarship. But her parents gave out, instead of chicken tea candy, her used tennis balls from Plastic. So they said, <laughs> tennis balls um, didn't bounce or anything. But So that was a dead. Lovely family, lovely girl. But that kind of sucks. No candy. Um, probably got eggs. And just lastly, one thing I was just wanted to say, um, the killer candy, the poison candy. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and there is an actual true crime poison candy situation. It was in the 70s. Um, I believe it was in Texas. There was this man, uh, O'Brien, Ronald O'Brien, and he poisoned his children's trick-or-treat candy. He poisoned Pixie Sticks, particularly with cyanide, and he ended up killing his son, Timothy. Um, he did it for the insurance money, took out huge insurance policies on his children, all of his children. His children, his other kids, and their friends all went trick-or-treating. The killer, um, Ronald O'Brien, he poisoned a ton of the candy, only Pixie Sticks, though, and then all the kids got to choose what they wanted before they went to bed. Mm. Only his son, Timothy, chose the Pixie Stick, and he ended up dying right away. Um, the man with the person, I, he was um, killed. He was executed. Wow. It was the death penalty. Texas. So it is, if you look it up, he has like a whole Wikipedia. He's in the Candyman, the man who killed Halloween. Wow. Um, but I never even heard of that growing up until I listened to True Crime Files. Sorry, I don't know how long I have here, but I love the podcast, love all of you, everything you guys have to add. I now live in Middle Falls. I, I know of West Orange, so I love hearing all the different um, things about growing up. <laughs> but thanks again. I will be subscribing to the Patreon. Please keep the episodes coming. You get me through my early morning work job. Thank you and happy Halloween. I mean, Jenny, first of all, what a nice, positive energy. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for supporting us. 
Andrea, just to give you a little context on one aspect of this. So Jenny said she grew up with Goosey Knight. Her, her husband from Clifton never heard of it and didn't believe her. I know you do not know North Jersey so well. Just so you know, those towns border each other. They touch. Oh. Nutley and <laughs> yes. Clifton touch. So Jersey. That's, so Jersey. I mean, a Clifton girl and a Nutley guy who get married and move on up to Little Falls. That's a real North Jersey love story right there. Uh, so much to love about that. Uh, hearing that the candy man out in Texas, the pixie stick guy, I looked it up. She is right. That is an, an incident. That guy, I mean, true scumbag killed, you know, killed one of his infanticide. How do you guys feel about the fact that there was a locally renowned tennis prodigy whose family used to give out deadened tennis balls? I love and hate that. I think it is hilarious, and I imagine the train of thought of that family was, oh, we're just, our, our daughter's really, all she does is play tennis. We're drowning in these old tennis balls. What are we going to do with them? Well, why don't we just give them away on Halloween? <laughs> Kids love tennis ball. Everybody loves tennis balls. This is true. That must have been it. Yeah. Well, we grew up in a neighborhood that had tennis courts on it, and I have to say, like, one of the things is, like, if there was a fresh tennis ball that they would, like, leave there, like a, a dead ball or whatever, like we all had tons and tons of tennis balls all the time. I so. think that's because we enjoyed stealing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take offense by the tennis ball. I guess it's better than raisins. Or you know what those are good for? We used to do. You take a tennis ball. This is on the mischief night theme. Take a tennis ball. Take a carpet cutter. Cut a slice in the top of it. And you fill it with soap chips and gasoline. And that makes a great like a serious little napalm fireball you can throw. That's a real anarchist cookbook. Mm -hmm. uh, original there. Original. There. You guys know my story about the anarchist cookbook, right? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I never told this one on the show. I don't think so. Dude. So when I was in middle school, my parents got their hand. We already had a computer, but my parents got their hands on like another older computer, like one where you still had to use DOS, you know, after everything was converting to visual uh, interfaces and stuff. And they were like, maybe you should have your own computer. Huh. And I had one in my room and I would use it a little bit for schoolwork, but I had uh, only a few things on that computer. I was either pornography. I was like <laughs> seventh, eighth, ninth grade. I, I mean, just a ton of pornography. I was a ninth grade boy who had figured out the internet before my parents even understood the internet existed. They were just like, how come sometimes we pick up the phone and it's like, I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I had that. I had a copy of Civilization, the very popular game. And I had a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. And that was it. Civilization, Pornography, Anarchist Cookbook. And I come home one day and the computer's just not in my fucking room. And I'm like, oh, Ma, I went in my room. That computer's gone. She's like, well, you know. I noticed for your schoolwork, you always use the better computer anyway. And it seems like you weren't really doing much with that computer, like played some games on it and stuff. But I figured you could just put the games on the better computer. So I donated the church to Our Lady of Lords. Oh. I'm like, Ma, you got to let. I was trying to figure out how to say it as like a high school freshman. But I'm like, so just for future reference, like, um, customarily when you pass on electronics you're going to want to um you know Get rid wipe, of all your porn like wipe wipe it down to factory settings they might call it just reset just so it runs well you know you want that thing running so to a local church my mom donated a computer that all it had on it was one game 
tons of pornography that a 14 year old was finding on BBS systems and instructions on how to like break windows without it making a sound, which as we all know, Mike T, you'll remember this, is you were supposed to get those adhesive book covers that you would get in middle school. Remember those, Andrea? Yeah, yeah. Put them over your textbook. The, take those textbook covers, put those on a window, and then smash that, uh, and you get none. You get no breaking glass sounds. It was just instructions on how to break into houses, make homemade drugs, and make homemade bombs. Yes. And we gave it to the local church. Not ideal. That we had a paper Andrew. copy of yeah, the Anarchist. That was Nick and I. Really? We, Where did you even get that? Previous, yeah, that was when they actually published it. It was probably at like Let It Rock or something. One of the some yeah one of those some, head shops in Montclair. Yeah, Montclair bookstore or something probably. It's great. Most of the things in it uh, did not work. No, ninety percent all defines. We smoked a lot of nutmeg. I got to tell you that. <laughs> I was just gonna say, if there's any two people I know who ever actually tried to smoke banana peels, I know for a fact I'm looking at them. <laughs> we, we did attempt to smoke banana peels. That did not work. They were smoking nutmeg. Did not they were work. Cured on the roof of Mike D's garage. The, the same roof that my brother tried to cure hot dog skins into leather to make Dungeons and Dragons armor. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> you would look out on his roof, and there was just all these like skinned hot dog skins lined up, drying in the sun. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm tanning leather. I'm gonna make leather armor. <laughs> Imagine one day he came out. He was just wearing tanned hot dogs. So so like, I believe this is the same window that it was recently revealed that you had neighbors move in who did actual voodoo ceremonies no. that you could see from his window. True. So and he's got piles of hot dogs all over the roof. <laughs> They're doing fucking ceremonies around recently uh, butchered goats. And I'm not exaggerating in any way. No. They did a Ripley's West Believe It or Not segment, the world's most interesting roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to keep it I'm rolling. I'm so sorry. I can't believe you guys aren't fully furious about the tennis balls. Oh, it would have been Don't maddening. It's better than anything else. You no. It's the quickest way to get bullied in my school. It's like, not okay. Because she specifically said these were used deadened tennis balls that didn't even bounce anymore. Oh, it's not even like they had a sponsorship and they were like, let's give everybody a fresh tennis ball. Kid can find a way to use a fresh tennis ball. You're, these tennis balls have already been had the shit smacked out of them by someone who's on a semi-pro level at that point. Yeah, it's not okay. And, and I totally agree with Jenny when she said that house probably got egged. Yeah. I think they were playing with fire, and I think that family probably rightfully got burned a couple times by that. But I did probably think Jenny covered with tennis I was really stressed. Oh, yeah. The amount of tennis fire. balls that bounced off their fucking aluminum door. No but kidding. there were all sorts of faint green imprints all over that door by people who just threw them at a thousand miles an hour the second they walked away. There, So many people were throwing tennis balls at that house that the father had to come out wearing hot dog leather armor <laughs> to protect himself. <laughs> and two rackets. I want to take it a little further south. I know this is the shore South Jersey, but all the way down to Ocean City. Um, we got a, a few calls from people who just straight up had some spooky stories to share with us. And this is one of them. Hey, guys. This is Adrian. Um, I'm in Passaic County, but I'm originally from Cape May County. And I grew up in Ocean City. And I heard you guys were looking for spooky stuff about New Jersey. So I wanted to share a local legend 
about the Strand. No, not the Strand. Sorry. Flanders Hotel? Yeah, it's the um, 14-story hotel in Ocean City. It was once the tallest building in town. But local legend has it is that a family was visiting at this fancy hotel in Ocean City over 100 years ago. Had such a great time, but left behind their little girl named Emily. And she was just kind of left behind. So she would hang out in the basement and play piano and her ghost haunts the hotel. So I remember during a friend's sweet 16, my friends and I were joking whether we were going to see Emily. And I, I turned over my shoulder as I was kind of like walking in and I totally saw her. Um, she was like 11 or 12 year old in like a little, like definitely a Victorian child. Um, so yeah, if you're ever around the Flanders hotel, um, sometimes the staff or people staying there said that they've heard like someone playing the piano. There's, they just hear the piano from the basement, but you know, no one has been down there. So it is rather eerie of a story. And yeah, I just wanted to share. Hope you guys, hope I'm not too late and happy early Halloween. You guys will also be happy to hear. First of all, thank you, Adrian. But the Flanders Hotel, um, on their website, I mean, the pictures of the place look, it looks like this insane old place. It's been around 100 years now. And they do have a restaurant called Emily's Ocean Room. Ooh. So they're even playing into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they still have it but you can find oh yeah emily's ocean room and emily's hosts breakfast and lunch lunch year round with dinners in season um so yeah they own it they own it uh nick i feel like you're our closest representative what are the chances that we can get you down to the flanders hotel to try to find this ghost of emily uh yeah i'll go sure why not it's not that far oh i mean not too far probably an hour um, I'm also a little confused. Like, um, most ghost stories you hear that a, a person died, you don't hear, like, you don't hear that a kid just got left behind because it does beg the question of, like, they could have just gone and gotten the kid. <laughs> I was a little confused by that. I have to look into that more. Mm -hmm. I can stay there for only 169 a night this time. Hey, okay, here you go. Only. It's not too bad down there, I guess. It's very off season, I'm sure. There's not much open. It is a cool looking hotel, though. It is. Very neat. I kind of like it. Mike D, your feelings on the ghost of Emily at the Flanders Hotel? I find instrument and piano playing spirits to be very creepy when I think about them. Um, if you're in some place that has a strange feeling and all of a sudden you hear music of some kind i feel there's something about that auditory vibe that i find very very creepy um so i think yeah, any ghost that is playing an instrument definitely gives me the willies <laughs> um and that those old hotels are very very spooky as well um there's just something about places where you know thousands tens of thousands of people have been in and out in all kinds of uh 
all kinds of condition, I think, that lends itself to stories like that. Andrea, your opinion on the ghost of Emily. Do you feel any sort of kinship with this South Jersey girl <laughs> doomed to haunt South Jersey forever? I obviously feel absolute kinship to anybody who feels doomed to help haunt South Jersey forever. However, I'm doing a little research and it's one of my favorite things where it's like when a ghost story has like 12 different origins and it's also mixed up that you can't really trace it. Um, and the, the account I'm reading at Weird New Jersey, of course, is that Emily was um, said to be the girlfriend of a World War I soldier who never returned from Europe having been killed in the trenches and she wanders the halls waiting for him to come back, which is also a very cool spooky i like that better than just her family left her there and then the hotel (laughs) staff was like all right i guess just hang out till you die (laughs) (laughs) i can't explain it but that feels very south jersey to me that it's like yeah we just have a kid now who lives in our weird old old hotel let's see uh, emily gave birth to a child and i just uh, yeah but now we're now we're mixing time periods because yeah. Queen Victoria was stone cold in her grave for many years before World War One. Yes. Mike T, you'll be happy to hear that the Flanders Hotel, so let's see, there was a fire on the boardwalk. The boardwalk was rebuilt a block closer to the ocean. The Flanders Hotel took advantage of the situation by building three saltwater pools in front of the hotel, cool. which set it apart from other hotels in the area. These pools became an instrumental part of the hotel using what is called the catacombs. Now, Mike D, I know you're a big catacomb fan. I am a big catacomb fan. Uh, The Flanders Hotel catacombs are used for entrances and exits to the hotel, used for illegal gatherings, a bar, and a gaming room. An underground basement below sea level was included in its plans. There's a maze with seven or eight large rooms. The catacombs became instrumental in the hotel's operation. Guests were required to use the catacombs to get back into the hotel from the pool so they didn't cross through the lobby in swimsuits. But the catacombs were used for other reasons as well. And uh, there's rumors that people died down there. Bonaduce, we got to get you in there. Yeah, I'm ready. Are they still there? Some kind of press credentials. Supposedly, they were also used by organized crime families, especially during uh, Prohibition. Prohibition, which is a very popular thing. You know, it's an interesting... New Jersey catacomb story is in Bloomfield there is a restaurant which I believe is now called the Bloomfield Steakhouse it used to be called Proud Mary's and underneath this restaurant there is a revolutionary war era tunnel set of catacombs that runs underneath the river to all the way out to the river right yeah when yeah when I was a kid um one of my uncles worked at that restaurant and he used to bring us down there. And it was very, very crazy that this was just something that everyone knew about. And, you know, the same thing, a million rumors of who was buried down there, that it was an Mm -hmm. escape tunnel for everything from, you know, revolutionary war soldiers, escaped slaves, smugglers, mobsters, the whole thing. But, um, I mean, I imagine that that tunnel is still still there. I don't know how you'd really fill that in without um, yeah, quite a bit of work. Years. But I, I've definitely been been down there a number of times when I was a kid. So uh, That's cool. Little Fob Flanders Hotel, the, on the second floor of the hotel, there's a framed painting by artist Tony Troy based on descriptions guests have given about the ghost. Cool. She's got red curly hair and no shoes on. She's most often seen on the second and fourth floors of the hotel, often heard singing, laughing, and humming. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And likes to rattle doorknobs, open and close doors, and unscrew light bulbs. Nope. People I'll have seen the, the white the the train of her white gown wisp around the corner at, uh, as if someone's running away. Do they have like the most haunted room? Can I stay in that for the night? <laughs> we got to get you out there to find I out. Would not sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Got to get you out there to find out, man. All right, let's keep it rolling now. One thing that I've been very happy about with this month is that there are a lot of people in New Jersey, and I will say this was me up until a couple of years ago. I think a lot of us thought that Mischief Night was a thing that was happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think we just grew up assuming, whether you call it Cabbage Night, Goosey Night, Mischief Night, a lot of us assumed, oh, that's a part of Halloween. Yeah. And then we are shocked to find out that it's really firmly entrenched in New Jersey and then Detroit as Devil's Night, and then a handful of other places. So we've heard from other people reaching out, letting us know, oh, I grew up in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. We had it, some parts of New England. But as far as being an institution, a lot of people, I think, didn't realize that it was such a Jersey thing. And we have gotten a lot of voicemails from people telling us about the role it played in their lives. And I'm very happy about these these voicemails that have come in. Here's our first Mischief Night-specific one. Goosey Night, uh, Mischief Night, Cabbage Night podcast. Uh, so, yeah, uh, going out uh, night before Halloween on Halloween, uh, you know, do harmless, harmless fun, <clears throat> toilet paper egg. We did it. I think that wasn't even the best part. I just think that we were so into the fact that we were w- walking streets at night in a group of people, and I think that's what uh, that stuck with us, and that's the thing that we really enjoyed. Uh, and I say that because... Years after we were, you know, out of elementary school, we used to do a thing not on Halloween night called Ghoul's Night Out, you know, after the Misfits song. And it would be like a bunch of, you know, 17 to 20 year olds. You know, we, we've, we've got groups as small as four and as big as 10 just going out to the abandoned places. And we would, after shows, after punk rock shows, and we would call it Ghoul's Night Out. I think that came from Goosey Night after listening to your podcast, that, you know, that feeling of being safe but also it being in danger and the thrill of being in a group of people late at night. Fast forward to now, I'm almost 40. Um, we do a, a pumpkin carving party every year. And one of my favorite things to do is encourage everyone to like put a, a real candle in the pumpkin. And we nice. just, as a grown adults, walk the street at night in groups of four to 10 people, harmlessly just walking around. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome, man. Stop. People wonder what's going on. It looks cool. Uh, and it really helps me get into the Halloween spirit. Um, Hope that's what you're looking for. Again, ghouls that out, pumpkin walk, fun stuff. Love your podcast. Thanks. Thank you, Jay. It is much appreciated. And hearing that Goosey Night for you turned into Ghouls Night Out, which was in your slightly older years, kids continuing to roam, not just on Mischief Night. And now in your 40s, you have a pumpkin carving thing. And we're all grownups now, and the pump, but you still wander the streets with your pumpkins and kind of freak out people. I love that. You got you guys, your reaction. I would love it if we could get Mischief Night, Goosey Night, Cabbage Night back in full force and maybe make Ghoul's Night Out a further extension <laughs> of it here in New Jersey. I think that would be incredible. It's pretty elegant yeah. to describe it as it was really the feeling of being able to wander the streets at <laughs> yes. night with a group of friends and feeling both safe and unsafe at the same time. That is an extremely elegant way to boil down what Mischief Night is really all about. I could, I could feel it when he was saying it. Yeah, and that idea of having the strength and numbers of a group, but the complete lack of safety net that you're used to having as a kid is a uniquely Mischief Night thing because on even on Halloween, 
there's a lot of groups that have parental supervision walking around. Mischief Night is really, as a kid, one of the only areas, one of the only occasions where you know there's no safety net to this and it's on us to survive. Andrea, any thoughts on that? Ghoul's Night Out. I I love made up. I mean, I know all traditions are made up, but I love any group that creates a tradition for themselves and keeps it up. Um, I was just, I was being quiet because I was trying to remember. I feel like Mischief Night was such a thing in my neighborhood, but it was so, I mean, it was like, you guys have stories about like, there'd always be a handful of people taking it a little too far. And weirdly in my neighborhood, it was always very tame in a way that I think is actually kind of nice where yeah. it was like your house would get egged and toilet paper. Definitely. Like it was going <laughs> to happen, but you didn't. And like, and there would be a lot of um, like profane chalk drawings all over the streets. That was a big thing in my neighborhood. Like there would just be giant chalk dicks all over the neighborhood for like, you know, a good month or so after. Um, but that was kind of it. And I don't know. And it's not like I grew up in a neighborhood where, like, all of the kids in my neighborhood were bad. It's not that. But for some reason, maybe that's why. Because, like, we were all always causing a little bit of, not me, never right. me, but causing a little bit of trouble. So we didn't really need to, like. So the bar was already set pretty high. And so it was fine. It was just, like, a nice, Mischief Night was nice. Well, it does bring something up, Andrea, that I do want to go on record about and say, while I've been pro-TPing, egging, chaos, and whatnot, I do want to say I always had a problem with the pumpkin smashers. Oh, yeah. I yeah. felt like that was not cool. Some kid works hard on a jack-o'-lantern. You don't smash some kid's pumpkin jack-o'-lantern. That's probably a five- or six-year-old kid who was excited about that damn jack-o'-lantern. Uh, so you'd see the jack-o'-lantern smashed in the streets. I always felt like that was a very, very aggressive move where you were asking for trouble. If you got caught doing that, I think you would have gotten your ass whooped, and I think you would have deserved it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was a lot of pumpkin smashing going on in our neighborhood, man. That's mean spirited, and I don't think Mischief Night or Goose Night or whatever. Lantern, but usually like full pumpkin. Oh, if oh, it's if it's, if it's a, if it's a full pumpkin, smash away. Although somebody's jack lanterns weren't taken too, but like if somebody puts effort into a jack lantern, I think after Halloween it's okay. After Halloween's a different story. After Halloween's a different story. Like after you get the candy and you're walking away, does it count? Is that after Halloween? <laughs> I, spoken spoken like someone who's still processing the guilt <laughs> of having smashed a jack-o'-lantern or two. You ever um, hit anyone with a pumpkin or get hit by one? It hurts. Dude. It's like a rock. Yeah. Not it's a joke. not a fun thing to get hit by. Knock the wind right out of you. That's I saw no kids joke. at Fright Fit Fest with, uh, for, with all the They have like pumpkins everywhere there there's kids literally just running through six flags like grabbing pumpkins and smashing them everywhere and nobody's doing anything about it i'm like what the fuck is this part of the attraction can i run through <laughs> and smash pumpkins too like relive my youth yeah. i love it i love it this next voicemail is another um some more commentary on uh mischief night as well as a very funny story about people who don't give out traditional candy. Hi, this is Jeff from South Orange, um, also from Oakland, California. Um, I have two things. I'll try to keep them quick. One's a Mischief Night story. One's a Halloween story. Uh, the Mischief Night story, is that, so when I was like 15, 16, my friends and I had a friend who was going out with a girl and, you know, we're all immature kids. So we didn't, we were like, oh, we don't, we don't like that. So uh, we went over to the White Castle in East Orange and, um, you know, got a bunch of food for ourselves, but then also got a whole bunch of White Castles and just stuffed them all in her mailbox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, oh, you know, it, that's why I think this just nice great. That's like basically harmless fun. Um, yes. And we're just a bunch of immature kids doing stupid shit. Um, the Halloween story is uh, there was a house, I think it was actually in Maplewood, um, where everyone knew the guy who lived there worked for one of the major candy companies like Mars or whatever. So every time you went there, he always had great stuff and tons of it. He was really generous. One year, we go over there, and uh, we get to the door, and he's handing out individually wrapped, like sealed, like you can buy these, individually wrapped tickles, and just <laughs> handing them out to kids, and the kids are like, what the hell is this? And he's just cracking up. And a lot of the kids were, were pissed, but I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious, and I actually thought it was brilliant, because I'd been eating candy all night, and it was a nice palate cleanser, you know, yeah, there you tickle because it had that sort of saltiness. And it was great. It really sort of, you know, electrolytes <laughs> invigorated me for the rest of the night of trick-or-treating. So um, I don't know. I'm all for giving out individually wrapped pickles, especially if people are uh, anticipating some extravagant candy buffet at your house. All right. Thanks. Bye. Jeff, incredible voicemail. Thank you. Um, I have to quick correction. I believe the White Castle is in orange, right on the orange side of that, but it's right near orange and East Orange. Yeah, but I think I think it's orange. But I mean, to, first of all, to fill a mailbox with White Castles is a very it's New Jersey. Up, so funny. Very That's New Jersey. That's kind of great, though. Imagine you wake yeah. up the next morning and you're going to go to school and you open the mailbox and it's filled with White Castles. <laughs> That's yeah, not a bad thing. I knew it was jam full. And like the thing <laughs> yeah, is, after yeah. something like that, you probably just have to get a new mailbox because you're never going to. Yeah, you just have to burn no. it. Oh. No, you just, all your mail smells like fucking sliders. That's a good thing, man. <laughs> you have great but stands on your fucking. The idea that something's a mailman's licking it. The, <laughs> I, the idea of somebody who worked out at Mars out in fucking Hackettstown, who usually gave out good shit and all the kids are excited. Handing out pickles one year, so I, that is how adults, that is adults in on the mischief, man. Throw these kids a curveball. I love that. I love that. You're I, asking for I, trouble, but I love it. I'd be psyched to get individually wrapped pickle yeah. on Halloween. Yeah. I love pickles. You ever see them in the deli? They're expensive. <laughs> I just remembered it wasn't mischief night, but the, the like, playing a weird prank like that on on someone that you know my friends and i got into a really bad car wars prank that started with we would just leave food on each other's windshields just like open like somebody would go to like wendy's and leave a burger and escalated and i was really proud of the last one i did but then i backed out because it got really uh like way excessive but we got um tubs of cool whip and fully like full crabs and it was winter so the cool whip froze so we put big piles of cool whip on the car windshield and then stuck the crabs to it and then the crabs froze to the car um but one of my friends trashed another friend's car so bad that his dad woke him up and was like you have to call the cops your car's been vandalized and he had to be like no just it's just a prank that's funny right it's a prank for my friend but, I always heard. Did oh you guys ever God. hear that? Like, if you put bologna on a car, it'll peel the paint off with it. Off, yeah. Was that a real thing? I think so. it seems like it would work. Well, Coke, I know Coke will do that. Yeah. Did your brother ever try to make um, bologna into D and D into armor? Leather? No. <laughs> bologna armor. Probably would see if a nice, better. Nice pair of uh, for Christmas, I'm going to get him a 60 pound log of Schick House. <laughs> 
and see if you like, you might want to make armor. Go nuts. Perfect glove size. We've got uh, three more voicemails that's going to go out on the free feed. And then a reminder, nine more for the Patreons. Patreon.com slash New Jersey's the world. If you're a patron over there at the Turnpike tier, you're going to get nine more. The way we're going to divide it up is we've got one from our friend Jody Bergen County, two from our friend Kelly from Hopewell. Kelly crushed this month. Actually left four voicemails. So we're going to put two in the free feed and then we're going to kick off the Patreon feed with two more from Kelly. But in the meantime, this is a very, this is a quick and uh, charming one from our dear friend, Jody Bergen County. Hey, New Jersey is the world. It's Jody from Bergen County. Not here to talk about the rock today, although I am staring at a really big one, rock that is. Um, I'm calling you in New Jersey, the most densely populated state in the country, from the Devil's Tower in Wyoming, the least populated state in the country. Did I drive like 45 minutes out of my way for this bit? Uh, yes, I did. But uh, happy Halloween month. Happy Goosey Night from a Saddlebrook native Goosey Night uh, whatever aficionado. Um, I don't have any great stories about Goosey Night, but I am staring at the Devil's Tower, which I thought you'd appreciate. Uh, happy October, y'all. I uh, love you. And I will uh, probably call back with some more stories later and maybe some more talk about The Rock. Um, but for now, see you later from Wyoming. Bye. I do love Jody uh, putting aside her passionate, uh, somewhat unhinged campaign to get more recognition for the Glen Rock to call us from a different Devil's Tower, as always, Jody. Is there street cred? Very welcome. Yeah, that's that cool. awesome, though. What an awesome I know. Place. I'd love to get out there and see that someday. The sister Devil's Tower. You guys ready here? So, uh, Kelly, again, left four voicemails. We're going to play two here to close things out. And then we'll have uh, two more from Kelly kicking off another nine calls. So get over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Hi, it's Kelly from Hopewell. I also wanted to give a quick Halloween shout out to Kate May, which I think most Jersey residents probably have heard. It's just an extremely haunted area in general. So it's got it all. Furries, spirits, everything. Um, I've personally had an experience there. I stayed years and years ago at the Hotel Maycomber. It's a beautiful Victorian, unique hotel, ocean views. Uh, it was a last minute trip and we got room number 10. Nobody mentioned anything special when we checked in. The first night we were there, I got woken up by the sound of something banging against our door. It sounded like someone was checking out in the middle of the night and hit their bag against the door and then was dragging it down the hallway. I didn't see anything. And then a little while later, it happened again, really loud. That time, I actually opened the door and said, what the fuck are you doing? Don't see anyone. Nothing else happened the rest of the night. Talking to the hotel staff the next morning at breakfast, I mentioned I didn't have a great night with all the noise and everything. And they explained there's a ghost of a former guest named Irene Wright. Some people called her trunk lady because she was known for dragging her huge trunk of belongings down the hallway and making lots of noise. She was a guest in the hotel as early as the 1930s and really loved it there. Apparently her spirit still loves it and room number 10 was her room. That would have been good to know beforehand. But she seemed like a friendly spirit who responded well to being cursed out because there weren't any issues for the rest of our time there. And apparently the spirits 
there are most active in the fall before everything starts closing down for the winter. Wow. So happy Halloween. Bye. Trunk lady, Kelly naming names. I love it. So cool. And I trust Kelly. You know what I mean? Like if Kelly says it happened, it happened. Yeah, I do. And I tell, I also just recently met Kelly and her husband in Trenton after my show at exit seven, a there she was, they were both fucking cool and nice. Not surprisingly. Um, Mike D, how would you react if you were in a hotel, heard someone slamming something into your door and later found out it was trunk ladies room? I would ignore it. I had a very similar thing happen to me over the summer. Um, and I ignored it. I ignored this like very strange, clearly <laughs> disturbing set of noises and banging and furniture moving because I was tired and I had a uh, 3 a.m. call time and I needed to get sleep. Mike, Mike, we're friends at this point, aren't we? Of course. Why is this the first I'm hearing about this? It's almost November. I feel like I'm always telling stories like this. So, you, all right. Yes, so, you are. Why not this one? In July, as you know, you all know, a, a big chunk of July, I was traveling for work because I was shooting commercials in two different places. And one of the places for part of the trip, we ended up having to spend a night in what was an abandoned mining town, so uh, which, was, which, was in, right which was in, which was in Colorado. And so, you know, and uh, like this is so, somebody else on my team, like made all the accommodations and, and this was an abandoned mining town. And there was just two or three things that were still open in there. And the reason we were staying there was because where we were shooting was out in the mountains. It was like close, all that stuff. So we get there very late at night. Like I said, we have a 3 a.m. call time. We get there at maybe 30, 10 o'clock. And the place that we're staying was basically a very, very old house, which we thought was sort of like a bed and breakfast. But we get there. There's no one there. They had just given us a code for the door. So we're in the middle of this abandoned mining town. We punch a code to get into this, this house. We go into the house and there's also an antique store attached to the house. And there's, there's, I mean, I have pictures of it. Just this antique store filled with creepy glass and we're, we're all exhausted, but there's no one there. So I go up, um, I finally stumble into my room. I, I find my room and I want to go to sleep. So I'm exhausted and I have to wake up and there is banging everywhere. And then somebody knocks on my door and I open the door and it's somebody that I'm there with work. And he's like, I really hate to be a dick, but man, you got to stop moving your luggage around. I'm like, my guy, I'm like, I'm not moving anything. Around. I'm like, I can barely lift my arms. We've been like humping camera gear up and down mountains all day. It's like, all right. And so this banging is going on and on. It sounds like somebody is dragging luggage or furniture through his house. And there's nobody in this house but me and the two other people that are that are working on this project. And finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I mean, what was I going to do? Call the Ghostbusters? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing I could do. I, I was just so tired. So I actually put on the TV. I was like, oh, it's turns white noise. And of course, the first thing that I turned the TV on is some weird ghost hunting show. And I was like, well, at this point, I just you're have to in, own it. You're the house you're in. 
yeah, hey, everyone, this is live from uh, Mike D's place. It, 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 it was spooky. And the thing yeah. was, there was nothing around here. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't leave because I would have just wandered into the Rocky Mountains and died. There was no one to help me because I was with two people I barely know working. It was, it was strange. Like a premise for a horror movie right yeah, there. Yeah, that rules. Go. Can't go it sure anywhere. was. Love that. Made my night. We're going to say happy pictures, though. We're going to say happy Mischief Night and happy Halloween to everybody on the free feed. Uh, remember, patrons, you will already have received the back half of this based on how the release schedule and the timing worked out. So sorry about that. But free feed people, get over there. It's waiting for you. In the meantime, Kelly usually calls and tells us about different parks all throughout our state. And this time, Kelly was able to tell us about a haunted state park. Hi, it's Kelly from Hopewell. I couldn't resist. I have some info about a haunted state park to lean into the Halloween spirit this month. So Alaire State Park in Monmouth County has basically a living 1800s museum within it, Alaire Village. And there are multiple spirits that are known to exist within the village. People that give tours there have identified one of the more well-known spirits is Hal Alaire, the son of the former owner who apparently is a bit of a prankster and likes to open cabinets and rearrange stuff during tours of the big house in the village. Yeah. And there are also spirits of the former ironworks manager, former village supervisor, who apparently is a mean one that staff mm -hmm. and visitors have had experiences with. I've spent time there recently, and while I didn't directly observe any apparitions, there were some odd cold spots in the visitor center that couldn't really be explained. Okay, so go for a visit to Alaire State Park. And it's happening. It's happening. Jake, we'll be back with part two some other time, everybody. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is the voice of editor and super producer Carson, the Colonel Cop, here to wrap up the episode for you. It has officially happened. Death's EMT pager went off at the exact moment that the episode was wrapping up. How do you plan that? You don't. Spirits. Ghosts, I say. I got a case of the ooky spooky gagootsies over here. Uh, apologies uh, at the top on the fidelity tip. Um, we are using a new audio feature on our streaming platform that we record with, and sometimes it kicks back a little. I am just making excuses in earnest up front. Now, on to new traditions. The band name of the episode was clearly the Church of the Mystic Light. That is a great band name. It could be anything. It could be punk. It could be garage. It could be dream pop. It could be this thing that I call electro velvet, which I don't know what is, but those words go really well together, and I think that would sound cool. Um, I jotted that down on the initial episode that we mentioned, the Church of the Mystic Light, and the album title that I tacked onto it that was obvious from a previous episode was The Garbage Bags of Bamber Lake. I don't remember. I, I looked up Bamber Lake and I looked up the church itself, and they're an hour or so apart from each other. I don't know what those two things have to do with one another, but those go very well. Now, if the Church of Mystic Light were a punk or garage band, uh, I think, well, the garbage bags of Bamber Lake would work just fine, but uh, to the note that the pastor of the Church of 
uh, the Mystic Light would do his uh, streaming uh, services uh, smoking a cigarette, well, then the album title would obviously be Gimme a Light, and then in parentheses, uh, Motherfucker. Give me a light, motherfucker. Also, on that previous episode, there was a church mentioned called the Church of Most Precious Blood, which would obviously be a uh, goth or dark wave or a doom metal name. Um, The runner-up for the band name of the episode, of course, delivered by uh, Andrea Quinn, uh, Giant Chalk Dicks. Also, uh, to speak to Andrea's uh, note about pranking other members of her uh, friend group as a youth, I got a kick out of putting the food on the windshields of the car, but what really cracked me up was if it was me, I would have taken the fast food and clipped it under the windshield wiper like a parking ticket. I don't know, that visually that's the first place I went. And then just get up in the morning and go to my car and there's just some nasty cheeseburger and just splotched under there. Eh. Eh, it was pretty good. I liked that. That was cool. Um, one final note. I like the point that was made. It's not okay to smash pumpkins before Halloween, but the day after Halloween, everything is fair game. I'm not trying to break some kid's heart. You shouldn't be looking to break some young kid's heart who carved up a pumpkin for the first time and then some shitty kids just bashed it. That sucks. Pumpkin smashing before Halloween is for trash kids. And pumpkin smashing after Halloween is for bad kids. Bad can be fun, but trash is as trash does. We all know this, don't we, folks? We, we... We know this by now. Anyway, here's the fun part. You can find us at New Jersey is the world on Instagram. You can find us on the greater worldwide web at New Jersey is the world.com. You can find us on Patreon at New Jersey is the world.com and you can pick to listen to free feed or you can pick for a um, subscription. We have uh, two tiers that you can choose from and you get depending on how much buck you throw in, so much more bang for said buck. Um, You can also find us anywhere that you find podcasts, and you can buy some of our lovely merch at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gether. Now, most importantly, before I sign off, we encourage any and all listeners to bang the line at 973 Seven eight zero four six six zero. In regards to anything Mischief Night and or Halloween based, for limited time only, as we will be switching back to our regularly scheduled program shortly, where you are encouraged to leave any and all messages, commenting on previous episodes, commenting on subject matter of an episode that you may have just heard, or any and all things New Jersey based. With that said, if you can hear. That is my corn boiling on the stovetop, so it's time to be out. Ladies and gentlemen, look out for one another in this small state, this small little universe that we all love so much called New Jersey. Watch each other's back. If somebody falls down around you, pick them up, dust them off, and keep it moving. We love you. Love each other. Love always. I'm out.
Good night, everybody. Concept that gets in the way. I'm gonna move it.